Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Thankful to have everyone in the house of the Lord today. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And make that choice today. Well, we are going to continue on today with the life of King Saul. Um, we've been talking through chapters in 1 Samuel 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, wherever we're at right now. <laughs> Um, So if you have your Bible handy or your phone or whatever you have the Bible on um, and you want to turn to 1 Samuel, we will be in those chapters. Um, The last time we talked about the changes that happened to God's chosen and anointed King Saul. How his jealousy and his insecurities took him to a point of disobedience and how that disobedience not only affected his own life but it affected the lives of the children of Israel because of his insecurities and his jealousy he took matters into his own hands made decisions outside of the instructions of the Lord through the prophet Samuel. Very dangerous thing that he did. And when you see the end of his life, you see where all of that led to. We talked about how he began to justify his sins, blaming others for the decisions that he made. How many know that's easy to do? (laughs) Well, my dog made me do it. (laughs) Whoever, somebody made me do it. It surely can't be my fault. And we do that sometimes. Unfortunately, we do. We justify the things that we do because in our eyes, (laughs) we know our heart, we know our intentions. We know that we're not meaning to do something wrong. And when we disobey the word of God or the authority that the Lord has put in our lives, it's easy to justify our actions. So, I have a question. Is disobedience to God really a big deal? Or not? King Saul gave himself a pretty poor reputation because of his constant disobedience to God. But as I was reading through this, the Lord reminded me of what happened, the whole point why Saul became king. 
the reason he even became king is because the children of Israel were disobedient to the voice of God the whole mess started with disobedience Samuel even gave them a warning but they would not heed they wanted what they wanted what they wanted <laughs> oh it is interesting our lives with the Lord sometimes how we know what the Lord wants but we try to push for what we want because <laughs> we know better when we really don't know better <laughs> um, if you remember King Saul came on the picture in 1 Samuel chapter 9 but I want us to look back a chapter at 1 Samuel chapter 8 when the people began begging for a king 1 Samuel 8 we're going to start with verse 7 and we're going to read all the way down to 22 1 Samuel 8 7 and 7 through 22 so the people were begging said they wanted a king and the Lord said unto Samuel hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say for they have not rejected thee but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them that is quite a saying there and pastor and I have been counseled before in the past by our pastors and they have told us this very thing when we've been upset because people want to leave the church and you know they want to backslide they want to go back to the ways of the world and they have said don't take it personal <laughs> they're not rejecting you they're rejecting the Lord and this is exactly what the children of Israel were doing the Lord said it they're not rejecting you and your word Samuel they're rejecting me and my laws and my commandments they don't want me to reign over them verse 8 according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods so do they also unto thee now therefore hearken unto their voice how be it yet protest solemnly unto them try to persuade them and show them the manner of the king that will reign over them he's like at, at least give them a warning go ahead and listen to him but tell them okay you want a king I'm gonna tell you what kind of king you're gonna have and Samuel told them all the words of the Lord unto the people that ask of him a king and he said this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you he will take your sons and appoint them for himself for his chariots and to be his horsemen and some shall run before his chariots he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and he will set them to hear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of chariots and he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards even the best of them and give them to 
his servants, and he will take a tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give them to his officers and his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. Wow. They got what they asked for. I feel to say this today. We need to be very careful who we let influence us. The voices that we listen to. Rebellion breeds rebellion. Fear breeds fear. Have you ever been just having a conversation with someone and I don't know, maybe you're talking about flying on an airplane and you've never flown on an airplane and you're very intrigued about it and you're even excited that maybe someday you'll get to fly on an airplane and then you start talking to someone who has never flown on an airplane and they're deathly afraid of them so that's why they've never flown and by the time the conversation is over you don't ever want to get on an airplane because they have you scared to death our words are contagious James has a whole chapter on nothing but the tongue and how powerful our words are. Discontentment breeds discontentment. Our words are powerful and very influential. That, that is why on a daily basis we need to stay in connection with God. The Bible doesn't say you must pray first thing in the morning. But if that's when your day begins, your work day or your day at home or whatever it is, it's a great idea to start it with Jesus <laughs> because it makes us better. We become more aware of, you know, especially if you pray, Lord, keep a bridle on my tongue today. Keep a gate on my mouth. Because we are his representatives. We are the body of Christ. We want to be like him. I don't want to constantly be saying all the things that I'm afraid of. I'm afraid this is going to happen. I'm afraid this is going to happen. And then put that fear in you. I would rather have faith and put faith in you. <laughs> but just as a smile is contagious, contagious, 
so they say and I believe it but a bad spirit is too and so is rebellion if we are in constant contact with someone that has a rebellious spirit then we must be careful not to allow that spirit to attach itself to us you know let's just say that we get offended about something and then we begin talking to someone who's living in rebellion or living in direct disobedience unto the Lord very quickly we can find ourselves embracing that same rebellion or that same disobedience that same ugly spirit because we're already offended and we're looking for someone to just join in and pat us on the back and say I understand they really are a jerk <laughs> well you don't need that we need someone that will give us godly counsel I know you're offended but now let's look at the truth let's look at the truth of the situation was it a misunderstanding did they really mean that and texting is the worst I don't care how many exclamation points you put and you can put it in all capital letters or however whatever emoji you want to use you still aren't saying it the way you would in person <laughs> so in this situation the people were rebellious against the voice of the prophet they wanted a king and they weren't going to shut up till they got a king and so God just said okay you don't want to listen to me I'll give you a king and this is what you're going to get and he even warned them so we're going to pick up where we left off last week on the heels of the story where Jonathan won a victory that Saul took all the credit for and how Saul decided that he was going to offer up the sacrifices because you know Samuel just didn't show up exactly when Saul thought he should um, so let's look first Samuel we're going to chapter 13 when Samuel came I don't know it sounded like the fire of the sacrifice hadn't even gone out Saul just couldn't wait took it upon himself to do what the man of God should have been doing 1 Samuel 13 starting with verse 13 and Samuel said to Saul thou hast done foolishly thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God which he commanded thee for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever you could have been the king forever but now thy kingdom shall not continue the Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee and Samuel arose and got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeah of Benjamin and Saul numbered the people that were present with him about 600 men and Saul and Jonathan his son and the people that were present with him abode in Gibeah of Benjamin <clears throat> 
but the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Now Jonathan, in the previous story that we had just talked about, got up and just took matters into his own hands and took care of some things. And Saul took all the credit. Evidently, Jonathan, <clears throat> Saul's son, was a very aggressive young man. <laughs> At the beginning of chapter 14, we see that the second time, Jonathan took matters into his own hands. He decided not to wait. He knew the Philistines were camped over there. And he decided, I'm just going get to <clears throat> get up and do something about this. So he took his armor bearer and they went to check out where the Philistines were. He had a plan. And he said, we'll show ourselves because maybe the Lord will work for us. I like what he said in verse 6. Evidently, he is a man of faith. He said, For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or a few. He was saying, It doesn't matter with the Lord. He can save, he can take the whole army and we can defeat the Philistines, or it can just be me and you. It's not too hard for God. So Jonathan told his armor bearer, Here's the plan. We'll show up. We'll show ourselves to the enemy. And if they tell us to stand still, we will. But if they say, well, come with us, then that's the sign that we're looking for. We know that the Lord has delivered them into our hands. And in that time, that's exactly what happened. They showed themselves to the enemy. The enemy said, oh, well, come with us. And Jonathan and his armor bearer killed 20 men right then just the two of them but that's not where it stopped all of a sudden the ground began to shake and God took over it says it was a great trembling King Saul's watchmen looked and they saw what was happening that the Philistines were actually killing one another they were beating down one another and Saul wanted to know he's like okay who's missing is anybody missing here <clears throat> and again he liked to count the men I think one reason the Lord you've seen it several times in the word of God that he gets upset when they begin to count the men because what they're doing is they're, they're measuring, okay, we have this many and they have this many. Oh my goodness, they have more than us. We're never going to make it. We're never going to survive. They're measuring man to man instead of their God to the enemy. <laughs> so when you see that in the word of God where God gets upset at them, you think, what's the big deal? All they're doing is counting how many soldiers they have. Well, when they do that, they're saying, okay, we've only got this many, and they've got this many, and it's going to be disastrous. And as Jonathan said, it only takes a couple of us. God can handle this. So he realized, Saul realized that Jonathan and his armor bearer were missing. Saul and all the people that were with him went to the battle, and they watched as the Philistines began to kill one another. Verse 23 says, so the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed over into Beth Haven. 
what should have been a day of victory and excitement and celebration King Saul turned it into a fast day because he was so upset things just didn't go the way he had planned he didn't do this he wasn't getting any glory and so he declared a fast here they are in the middle of war men fighting and he says don't eat anything instead of keeping the focus where it should have been Saul once again put the focus on himself he declared a fast while they were pursuing the enemy now the story goes on to tell us that Jonathan had no idea that his dad said don't eat he declared a fast and so when Jonathan came up on this honey that fell to the ground he began to eat it and he was strengthened because of that the Bible says his eyes were enlightened and it really simply means he was strengthened to be able to go on but the rest of the people were exhausted they were starving they were exhausted and because of that because of their hunger and their exhaustion as the battle continued on they gave in and they sinned 1 Samuel 14 31 and 32 and they smote the Philistines that day from Michmash to Agilon and the people were very faint you can imagine they're fighting they're fighting they're fighting and they haven't had anything to eat and the people flew upon the spoil and took sheep and oxen and calves and slew them on the ground and the people did eat them with the blood once again Saul took matters into his own hands he declared a curse which was something that only could come from a spiritual authority but Saul declared this curse saying if anybody eats anything they're going to be cursed so again he's taking the spiritual matters into his own hands it sounded spiritual a fast sounded very spiritual but it was all about him <laughs> anytime that we go against the commandments of the Lord the structure of authority that he has it's just not going to work it might work for a short amount of time but it's really not going to work one commentary puts it this way about what the people did that day <clears throat> the people rushed on the spoil and the people ate them with the blood God specifically commanded Israel that they should always properly drain the blood from the animal before they butchered it but on this day of battle because of Saul's foolish command the people were so hungry they broke this command their obedience to Saul's foolish command led them to disobey God's clearly declared command this is always the result of legalism listening to a man that doesn't line up with God <clears throat> we often think that legalistic rules will keep people from sinning actually the opposite is true 
legalistic rules lead us into sin because they either provoke our rebellion or they lead us into legalistic pride now in order to really understand that maybe you would have had to experience it but I have seen it firsthand where a man will try to make up rules <clears throat> and regulations for the church body that does not line up with the word of God and while I know the Lord gives us pastors and somebody has to draw the line but when those lines are so far away from the word of God it does it can breed rebellion either breed rebellion or a legalistic pride that I'm holier than you are and I'm holier than every other body of Christ and our church is holier than everybody else we're probably the only ones going to heaven <laughs> no that's so far opposite of our Lord we don't want to be that way Saul did not turn out to be the king that Israel needed simply because of his choices I mean God's the one that appointed him said okay you want a king there he is he had the goods he had the talents he had the leadership ability but he certainly lacked submission and obedience with all of his failures he was still chosen by God to do a work for the kingdom chapter 14 verses 47 and 48 so Saul took the kingdom over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side against Moab and against the children of Ammon and against Edom and against the kings of Zobah and against the Philistines and whithersoever he turned himself he vexed them he was a man of war and he gathered a host and smote the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of them that spoiled them and then verse 52 and there was sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul and when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man he took him unto him even with being I'm sure so disappointed in Saul God still used him to work for his kingdom he was a great warrior he was powerful in battle he won so many battles for Israel he struggled greatly with jealousy and insecurity disobedience all of it but there's a scripture in Romans that tells us Romans 11 29 for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance I don't have the greatest voice I'm not Mariah Carey I like her voice I may not like the songs that she sings but I like her Christmas songs that's how I know what her voice sounds like so I know I'm no Mariah Carey but I do like to sing and 
God gave me the ability to sing, even if it's just in the shower, whatever. But, but I could walk away from the church and I could still have the talent of singing and maybe go country and make somebody happy. I don't know. I would be so depressed singing those songs. I don't remember who said it, but somebody told us one time, he said, uh, you know how you're on a long trip? So, I mean, you might be driving 12 hours to Texas or wherever, and you're doing everything to stay awake. You roll down the window, you turn the air conditioner on, you're just, you just got to stay awake, you got to get there. You turn the radio on, and you're just doing everything you can so you don't die, so you don't crash and die. You turn the radio on, and all you find is country music. And then all you want to do is die. <laughs> you just want to find the first bridge and hit it and get it over with. Because <laughs> you want your dog back and your whatever back and your best friend Jack back. Saul was gifted. Even though God was going to remove him from his anointed and elevated position as king. His gifts and his calling remained. Every single one of us are gifted. We heard that Wednesday night. And we prayed over those giftings that we would each fit into the body of Christ with our giftings. I'm so glad we're not all alike. I love your talents that I don't have. Oh, how I love them. I enjoy your talents. But we are all, we're very gifted. God has given us gifts. He's given us talents. Put into the body as he sees fit. But we are also given a free will to choose what we will do with those gifts and those callings. To use them in conjunction with the commandments of God the lifestyle that he instructs us to live or to take matters into our own hands and take our giftings and use them for something else. Make up our own rules like King Saul did. Either way, the giftings are still there. In chapter 15, the Lord sent Samuel to King Saul again with very specific instructions about the next battle. If we listen, the Lord can be very specific with instructions to us. 1 Samuel 15, starting with verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. He was very specific. And spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Tilium, 
200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah and Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley so far so good he's being obedient I don't know about the numbering I don't think he needed to do that because he was given instructions this was after this was after the Lord said we're not going to need you anymore King Saul to be the king somebody else has taken your place but he still is using him verse 7 and Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilia unto until thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt and he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword but Saul and the people spared Agag see that Saul did it and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them but everything that was vile and refused that they destroyed utterly I don't know maybe it was because he was the king and he just thought thanks for the little talk Samuel but I think I can handle this I'm the king after all I know what I'm doing I know you said to destroy everything but you know this king he could really be some help to us and if we take the best of the sheep oh I mean I don't know maybe it's because he was king he thought I'm in the position to be the ruler and I can do whatever I want we've got to be careful with that <laughs> we've we've probably all seen it in people in elevated positions I don't know maybe politicians our managers sometimes maybe some CEOs in the world but sadly enough it happens even in the body of Christ people justifying their sins because of a position or a title it doesn't work that way with God when he says this is a sin it is for everybody it's for everybody all of us this incident was pretty much the last straw for God <laughs> and the Lord began to speak to Samuel <clears throat> chapter 15 verse 10 then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel saying it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king for he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord all night I remember a time that I did that very thing over someone that decided to walk away from the things of God when they told us they were leaving I think it was a Sunday several years back 
I went through that door and I sat on those steps and I bawled my eyes out. I cried so hard. And the Lord stopped me and said, I don't want you to cry over this anymore. They've made a choice. You need to cry that hard over the sinners that don't even know who I am. But when you see such beautiful potential in people and you see callings and giftings on them, but then you see them take matters into their own hands and decide to just be disobedient to the word of the Lord and, you know, go back to the ways of the world or whatever, it is heartbreaking. We all know that. We've experienced that. And I believe that's what Samuel was going through. He was heartbroken. He had such high hopes that maybe this time <laughs> that I tell King Saul, maybe this time he'll change and, and he'll do it God's way. He was willing to give Saul as many chances as God would, but God was finished. What happened? <laughs> what happened to King Saul? How could he have changed so much from the beginning of the story? I believe the first part of that equation is of what happened to Saul is in verse 17 of chapter 15. And Samuel said, he was talking to Saul, he said, when thou wast little in thy own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? when you were still a humble young man, when and you didn't think you knew it all and you had every answer and you knew better than God, when you were little in your own sight. How true it is when we forget where we came from and who we were before the Lord filled us with his spirit before he raised us up, before he put a calling on our lives or showed us our giftings, we felt like nobody and we had no authority. When we fail to remember that although he may have given us giftings and placed us in a place of leadership or whatever it is, it's still his kingdom. And it will always be his kingdom that's why he wanted to stay king he didn't want them to look to a man for direction he wanted to be their direction he wanted to stay their king that's why a pastor still always should have a pastor and pastor does thankfully he calls his pastor all the time it's his kingdom. It's never ours. Never. I try to be careful to say my church or our church or whatever. Because it's his. His church. His kingdom. His kingdom. His rules. His kingdom. His commandments. I have no business trying to change them. Because I think I know better. 
And I think that's what Saul was doing. Somehow, he lost track of who he was. He lost track of he was a nobody, just a young man doing, being obedient to his father, going after, trying to find the donkeys. And all of a sudden, when he least expected it, the Lord anointed him king. He lost sight of that. I'm going to stop there and uh, we're going to pray. <clears throat> I always think it is a good thing for us to remind ourselves and for the Lord to remind us who we were before he found us. Who we were before he gave us his spirit. Evidently, he looked into every one of our lives and said, oh, there's someone I can trust with my spirit. There's someone that has a heart that I want to fill. We're privileged. We're very, very privileged. I want to stay mindful of who I am and who he is. Let's pray. Lord, thank you today for your word. Thank you.